With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. In the presence of the Lamb, learn to be free from your passion and pride. There's power in the blood. Power in the blood. Come for a cleansing to Calvary's tide. There's wonderful power in blood. Would you do service for Jesus, your King? There's power in the blood. Power in the blood. Would you with daily his praises to sing? There's wonderful power in the blood. There is power, power, wonderful. sunset for a few hours there about three four hours maybe so they probably had a good meal by now but uh, it is around sunrise here right now just starting a new day here I'm going to try to blow the shofar for you. I'm not very good at it, but so it's not the most beautiful sound when I blow it, but we are to blow the horn on the high holy days. So here we go.
Praise Jesus. Praise Jesus. Talk me. Praise the Lord. God is good. Happy blessed day of atonement, Father. Praise your holy name. Oh, Heavenly Father, we pray, Lord, that you have had a good day of atonement. We pray, Lord, that your people are safe. We pray, Lord, that they have gathered together in your name in Nigeria and other places around the world, even our brothers and sisters that we don't know yet, that they're safe in your hands and and, and observing this high holy day, this wedding day, day of sub separation, this day of afflicting the soul, this day of preparation for the future. Thank you, Lord, for teaching us what this day means. Thank you for calling us, for calling me, and for your wonderful sacrifice for our sins my sins thank you Lord for your presence we ask you Lord that you strengthen us to the listening of this sermon help us to fully understand and comprehend may you be glorified in it in Jesus name amen amen praise God Let's start in Leviticus 23. Leviticus 23. I've not even had coffee this morning, so pray for my energy, pray for my strength and my alertness. I'm not used to getting up this early, unfortunately. But it is my goal to one of these days very soon to become accustomed to getting up this early and being able to drink my coffee outside in the mornings in the nice, cool, crisp air and watch the sunrise. That would be a nice experience to enjoy in the mornings. I do love the mornings. It's just that we have a very difficult time getting to sleep at night. And so we're usually sleeping late, having gotten to sleep late. But hopefully, with God's help, that will be rectified soon. During the fiesta of tabernacles, being out in tents, we usually get up a lot earlier with the sun beating down on the tent. You know, it gets hot in a tent early with the sun and the sun shining in your eyes and the birds singing and the birds walking around on the tent and the people out and about walking around and talking all these things it's difficult to sleep in in a tent and to get up early where you 
end up getting up early. So that will maybe be what we need to readjust our body clocks and if we take advantage of it and use it. Amen. Well, my wife is beautiful this morning. Looks like she has her wedding clothes on. This is wedding day. It is. This is the day that we will be lifted up for the marriage supper of the Lamb of God. Quite a day. Quite a day. Amen. In Leviticus 23, we see a list of most of the holy days here in this chapter. Now let's go down to verse 28. Leviticus 23, verse 28. Let's just start there in verse 26. Verse 26, and Jesus spoke to Moses saying, also on the tenth day, of the seventh month. And notice it does not say on the ninth and tenth, nor does it say on the ninth, right? It says on the tenth. So the ninth, when we were fasting yesterday evening, was not the Day of Atonement, it was just the beginning of our fast. But on the tenth, at sunrise this morning, is the Day of Atonement. And notice in AOB I have reparation or repay slash atonement. And that is because you can translate that word for atonement in many, many different ways, which is common in ancient languages. You didn't have as many words back then. In the ancient languages, you did not have as many words. Every word had several possible meanings and the and the definition was determined by the context as well as many times the sound uh, the pitch and so forth that you would make that word with even though it was the same word they I believe that they would have had different pitch like they do in Chinese and it should be a holy summoned or commanded assembly to you and you shall humble or afflict, you could translate that either way, your soul, your appetite, both ways you can translate that. You can translate that as your soul, and you can translate that as your appetite. Ain't that interesting? That we do both. We do. When we fast, we are humbling, we are afflicting our soul, and we are afflicting our appetite. See how they go together? It would be wrong of me, I believe, but just one word by itself. You wouldn't get the full meaning. And back then, you would also have offer a whole burnt offering to Jesus. And that today, our whole burnt offering is our prayers. Our prayers ascend like fire and smoke and incense up to the Lord God Almighty. Amen. And you should do no work on this same self day. So that means on that same tenth. So this is a day of reparation, repay, atonement. 
for you, to make atonement for you before Jesus your Theos. Every so that shall not be humbled in that day shall be cut off from among his people. Notice cut off. I want you to underline that, cut off. I did not have this in the notes, if you had already seen the notes. So this would be a new addition to the notes. That if we do not afflict, and again, that word humble can be translated as afflict. It can be. And so if any soul ever so that does not afflict or humble, and that means fasting, it, it does not actually say the word fast. But if it's telling us to humble our soul, and anybody that does not humble their soul on that day will be cut off or cast out, then what does it mean to humble our soul? Or what would it mean to afflict our soul? Is it just thinking? Just thinking about our life? Examining ourselves? Well, we really should be doing that every night before we go to bed, right? Every night at our final prayer, we should be examining our life, what we did that day. Did we sin that day? Did we say something we should not have said or do something that we should not have done? And repent on a nightly basis and daily basis. So I don't believe that is just examining yourself when that's really a daily thing. Everybody agrees across many denominations, even all of the many denominations that don't believe we have to observe it anymore. There is still agreement all across the board among all groups, all denominations, all Bible scholars, everyone that is talking about fasting, even though it doesn't use the word fasting. That to afflict the soul and humble the soul on one day, a particular day, that it is talking about the action of committing a fast unto the Lord in order to humble ourselves and afflict our soul. And especially when you can also translate that one word, soul, as appetite. So that's a clue. Amen. That's a huge clue. Once you recognize that you can translate it either way as appetite or soul. And all Bibles just say afflict your soul or humble your soul. They never add in the word appetite, whereas the AOB does include that possible translation of appetite. So that's significant for the AOB. And verse 30, ever so, which, um, which should do work on that day, that so will be destroyed from among his people. So twice in 29 and 30, the cut off and the destroy. It shows that it is a day of separation, a day of separation. Those that keep the day, observe it, rest, worship, a summoned assembly. Those that do gather and 
fast and gather together for worship and rest and not work and, and we do all everything we're supposed to do, then we are accepted and we are atoned for. But those that do not will not be atoned for. Amen. It's a covenant. Remember that this whole book of Leviticus was God saying, will you keep my commandments and my ordinances and be my people as a covenant? Will you come into this agreement? Will you marry me? This was a marriage covenant. Absolutely. This was a marriage covenant. Did you know that? That the Ten Commandments was a marriage vow? And so with the holy days was a marriage vow. It was the wife saying, yes, I will obey you, my husband. I will obey you. I will follow your instructions, your commands. Go wherever you go and do whatever you say. And I'll be your wife and you'll be my husband. The commandments, the law, and the ordinance was a marriage vow. Read it. For yourself, he said, will you be my people? Will you agree to this? And they said, yes, we will. That was the bride saying, I do. Amen. Amazing. I never thought of it that way until this moment that it was a marriage covenant. That's just a divine revelation, even as I just open my mouth and let God teach me and you both at the same time right now. Amen. And then, verse 31, you shall not do any manner of work. It is a long-term statute throughout your generations in all of your habitations, and it should be for a holy rest day to you. And you shall humble your souls or afflict your soul, or afflict your appetite from the ninth day of the month, from the previous day, the day before the Day of Atonement. From that day at sunset until the sunset, you shall observe this rest day, or your rest day of this particular rest day. Now, that's unique. It does not say that for tabernacles. It does not say that for Pentecost. For trumpets it does not say it so your hebrew roots and your jews they do it since all the holy days from sunset to sunset but the bible is very specific the bible is very detailed amen so this is specific to our fasting as well as our uh resting for the 24 hours of at the same time that we fast on this day of atonement. It's fasting for half of the day of atonement and half of the day before. And as I've said before, but just in case somebody's not heard it, that is because people used to fast only from sunrise until sunset. And they would get up early in the morning before sunrise, eat a big meal, and then began their fasting at sunrise with their belly full, which is easy to do just from sunrise to sunset if you ate a big meal just before that. 
so it was not afflicting the soul. It was fasting in vain. So on the commanded fast, God is basically saying, I don't want you to fast with your belly full right from the start of sunrise. So start your fasting from the previous evening so that even if you did eat right before that, by the time it gets the holy day, by the time it gets sunrise, then your belly is already empty and it's a better, more intense fast. Fasting should be difficult. It should be difficult. That's what fasting is for. It's not pleasant. It's not supposed to be pleasant. So it's a better fast by prepping your fast. That means to fast the previous evening. And now, this morning, we can really and truly fast. Now, that word atonement in this verse 28, the word atonement is the Greek word in, in uh, the Greek word that has had a reference number of 1837.4. 1837.4. And that's the same one used in Exodus 30, verse 10. So let's go over. I'm going to put a bookmark here, and I encourage you to put a bookmark in case we might have to go back to this chapter. And let's look at Exodus 30, verse 10, because it's the same Greek word, and it's a relevant verse as well. Exodus 30, verse 10. Exodus 30, verse 10, page 120. And once in a year, Aaron, the high priest, shall make atonement on, on its horns, the horns of the altar. He shall purge it with the blood or purify it with the blood of purification for their generations. It is most holy to Jesus. That's talking about on the day of atonement that the high priest would enter into the holy of holies behind the curtain, behind the veil, and cut blood on the altar. And it was done only once a year, only on the day of atonement. And that's one of the reasons we know that we will be called up into heaven on the Day of Atonement is because in the book of Revelation, I believe it's chapter 11, that when we are called up, it says that the altar or something like that was seen. I believe the temple or the altar in heaven was seen. The temple altar was seen. And you wouldn't see it unless the curtain was pulled back. And other reasons as well. Uh, the slaughter that occurs at that time, that all the animals that would be sacrificed only on the day of atonement, four specific animals, four specific animals were slaughtered on the day of atonement. And it's the same four animals that the wicked, unclean people on the day were caught up and throughout that time until the Battle of Armageddon for that 41 and a half day wrath of God, the wicked people will be slaughtered, sacrificed, slaughtered in the streets, and the blood will flow. 
and those wicked people represent the four specific animals that were slaughtered only on the Day of Atonement. So we know from that as well, from several different things, we know that we will be called up on the Day of Atonement as well as just counting the days, 1,335 days until Jesus comes, starting with the abomination of desolation, so forth. Many reasons. All right, so it's 1837.4, also right here in this verse for this. Now, <clears throat> notice I said point four, and whenever the number includes a decimal, an additional number after the decimal, it means that the Strong's Concordance did not include this Greek word. Because Strong's Concordance did not use the Greek or Pale Hebrew for the Old Testament, but rather only the Assyrian Aramaic words for the Old Testament. Therefore, someone had to give these Greek words that appear only in the Old Testament and not in the New Testament a new number. In other words, if the word appeared in both Old and New Testament, then it would already already have a number assigned to it that would not have a decimal. But if it appeared only in the Old Testament, then we would have to assign a new number to it because the strongest occurrence had not already given it a number. So that means that this particular word does not appear in the New Testament. We don't find the Day of Atonement in the New Testament. However, we find the Feast of Tabernacles and Pentecost and Passover and the Days of Unleavened Bread. And we also know that the fulfillment of atonement does occur, even if it doesn't use that Greek word, even if it doesn't say the Day of Atonement in the New Testament, we see, we see the fulfillment of the Day of Atonement on the day we are called up, as well as the slaughter of the wicked and all the symbolism and the, and the, and the altar being seen on that day, the altar being opened up, all of these things. So you don't have to have the Bible spell everything out to you in black and white all the time. Everybody or many, many people believe, well, if I don't see it with my own eyes in the Bible, it can't be true. But the thing is, you've got to read, behind, read between the lines. Amen. Read between the lines. Not only do you have multiple meanings for Greek words and Hebrew words, but you also have various ways of saying things. You don't have to say the day of atonement in order to understand that it is the day of atonement, amen, or that you have to still keep it. If you got to keep, if all the other holy days are also still listed in the New Testament, then it just automatically we should have enough common sense to us, enough common sense that the Day of Atonement is not done away with. So, 1837.4 is the number that was assigned. And then there's a variation of that word in chapter 6 of Leviticus. Might as well look at that. Leviticus 6, verse 30, 
you go back to your bookmark and then change the chapter number, Leviticus 6, verse 30, page 134, Leviticus 6, verse 30, which is also listed as 623 in King James. King James would be verse 23. And no offerings for sin, of whose blood there should be brought any into the tabernacle of witness to make atonement in the holy place to be eaten. None of it should be eaten. They should be burned with fire. So that word atonement there is 1837.2, almost the same but just slightly different version of the same word in a verb form, which is the only reason it's a different word. It's, it's really the same word used in a verb form. So as it says in the notes, I do have a Bible called the Asapotic Bible Polygot. I don't recommend it as a translation of the entire Bible because I, I recommend what Bible? I recommend the AOB, of course. However, it's an excellent study tool for determining what the Greek words are in the Old Testament. Excellent study source for that. And it shows that the Greek words for the entire Old Testament as well as the New Testament, and it gives a simple definition, a simple precise, short definition of each Greek word in the back of that Bible, as well as an English translation in the Bible itself. In this Bible, it says that Greek 1837.1 is atonement. 1837.2, to appease, to reconcile, to atone, to propipipate. Can you not hardly pronounce it? But to appease means, say for example, give you an example, the Democrats believe that instead of waging war and instead of defeating the enemy, we should appease the enemy, that we should pay Iran to not be our enemy, that we should make peace treaties with Iran, that we should have that Iranian uh, treaty that Obama signed and gave them billions of dollars. That's appeasement to kind of pay the bully. You know, in the context of bullies, it is to pay the bully for the bully to not beat you up. Uh, to make the bully happy uh, and not destroy you, not kill you. Now, God is not a bully. He only disciplines us and punishes us only when we truly deserve it. Nevertheless, it's the same context that there has to be a payment. There has to be a gift or a payment or something must occur in order to make him not angry at us make him not upset at us, to make him not destroy us, not kill us. So the day of atonement could be called the day of appeasement. 
the day of that something is paid so that we would not be destroyed. Now, of course, it was paid at the time of Passover. But it is a day of the year that we do think back at Passover, that he died for our sins, that his blood atoned for our sins, is a reminder of that at a different time of year. Because it is good to go back and review that uh, and not become complacent and to remember the importance of the blood of Christ. But it's not talking about only the blood of Christ, but also about the blood of the wicked who will be destroyed, that will lose their blood in the streets on the day that we're called up. That those people will be sacrificed as if they will be the four types of animals that are sacrificed only on the Day of Atonement. That there is a sacrifice made on that day that we're called up. And that begins the 41 41 and a half days of the wrath of God. And it's called the wrath of God. The anger of God is what that means. So again, there has to be something that is paid in blood to not make him angry anymore. And in that particular case, once we are caught up on that day, it will be the destruction of the wicked. And it won't have the same effect exactly of it won't have the effect of forgiveness for those people. But it will have the effect of justice being done, the wicked being destroyed, not all wicked, but many wicked being destroyed, or at least spanked and punished during the wrath, which will appease God because justice is right and justice is good. And then at the end of that 41 and a half days is the the final day of that is the Battle of Armageddon, which will be the main slaughter on the Battle of Armageddon as we come down with Christ our Lord, our King, our God. But then the next day, there'll be no more destruction. The the process of cleaning will begin and we'll be um, issuing the government in the kingdom to start rebuilding and everything. And the wrath will be appeased. The wrath will be done, completed. But it could not have occurred unless a lot of the wicked are destroyed or at least spanked and punished very severely for everything that they did to us, for everything that that they did to our families, for everything that they did on the earth. Amen. 
and the propitiate means the same thing, and you see 37.3 appeasement, atonement, and making atonement. All variations are the same word. We can also look at the Assyrian Aramaic words in Strong's Concordance. Strong's Concordance points not to the Hebrew, but to the Assyrian Aramaic in the Old Testament. And we can look. It is okay to look at those Assyrian Aramaic words. Not every Assyrian word is a corruption of the original text. Many words of the Old Testament, even in King James, many of those words in the Old Testament are nothing but just translations of Hebrew into Aramaic. But sometimes we know that they did take out things and added things. There's a lot of corruptions. But not every word is a corruption. Sometimes, the majority of the time, it's just a translation. So it is useful, it is useful to look at the aromatic words. And the Strong's Concordance says that the aromatic word in Leviticus 23:28 is aromatic 37:25, which is compor. And if you read the day before it, or the word before that is Yom, it's Yom Kippur. So that's how we get the name, the Jewish name, Yom Kippur. And that's not Hebrew, but rather it is Assyrian Aramaic. It's not necessarily an evil word. It's not necessarily a pagan word. But it's just an Assyrian Aramaic word a translation for the word Day of Atonement, Yom Kippur. And so that's what you would hear the Jewish people call it today as they dress up in their wedding clothes today because they recognize that this day does have a connection with the wedding. In Exodus 30, verse 10, it's 3722, which is related, but three words different, three words down the line between 22 and 25. And the King James Version translates 3722 in the following manner. It translates it as the word atonement 71 times. It translates it as the word purge seven times, the day of purge. The day of purge, which is a separation or a cleansing. It translates it as reconsideration four times. So it's interesting how this word can be translated so many different ways. It's, it could be called a day of reconsideration. But why are we reconciled? Or how are we reconciled? It is through a sacrifice that had to be paid through the blood of Jesus and the wicked receiving their just dues, their just wages as well. People are reconciled to God sometimes because they're punished. I was, to a certain extent. Many people were. A lot of people, most people, the majority of people, never repent until they reach 
rock hard bottom. Rock hard bottom. I had to learn the hard way. Most people do. And a lot of people are going to have to suffer, repay, wrath, in order to learn, or at least the great tribulation, in order to learn the hard way and learn their lessons in life. I tell you, difficulty in life and hardship in life would teach you more than me standing here talking to you. And that's why a lot of people never get saved in any church because the hardest lesson, but yet the best lesson in life is experience. Amen. But it's also translated as purge away two more times and pacify two times. To pacify someone. To, again, if you pacify a child, a little baby, and that baby is crying because he's upset or scared or something, you put a pacifier in a baby's mouth, he stops crying. You are appeasing the baby by giving him a gift. And he is no longer upset. To pacify something or someone. It's also even translated as merciful twice. Now that might be a poor translation. Maybe. I haven't looked at it. But it's translated twice in King James as merciful. Even cleanse or purify. This and all. And again, appease or put off or pardon. Again, the context or the thinking or the theme of releasing the verdict to where we won't have to be killed. And even when people are punished and disciplined and slaughtered, it is still for the purpose of trying to get them to wake up through that punishment, trying to get them to repent through that punishment. It is still an attempt to reconcile that wayward person back to God. Amen. So from all things considered, I do obtain that understanding that atonement can mean to reconcile us to God, God by appeasing God by making us clean and acceptable to him through his blood and through our discipline of him disciplining us. Our holy God cannot accept, he cannot accept an unclean dog <coughs> into the fullness of his holy kingdom. He has to cleanse us. He has to purge us, purify us in order to reconcile us. You can look at it another way. When we were born again, we also died. Did we not? We was buried with Christ, crucified with Christ, and resurrected with Christ. Romans 6, what I read to most of you when I baptized you, that we was crucified with Christ and resurrected with Christ in that baptism. So we died. We had a funeral and a birth, both, on the same day, on the day of our baptism. Amen. 
The sacrifice, crucifixion of Jesus had to occur to atone for our sins, to cleanse us, to reconcile us, and to pacify God's wrath against us, to remove the verdict of death from us. Only blood can do that. Only blood can pay the price. Sin came into this world by Eve, which brought forth death. I know it says Adam in the New Testament, but that's only because he followed Eve. And Adam represents both of them. He was the head honcho. He was in charge. He was the chief. He was the manager. So the axe usually falls on the leader. But it really came in from Eve before him and even the devil before that. But as far as humans, Eve and then Adam, it's brought forth death to mankind. Death has to be atoned for by blood because blood has life in it. Life has to be shed. In this way, we are taught the consequences of our actions, the consequences of sin. The wages of sin is death. Amen. I'm not going to go all through Leviticus 16 this morning. But if you've never read Leviticus 16 or if you've not read it recently, I would encourage you to read it again. It talks about two goats, a separation of those two goats. And one goat has the atonement by blood applied to him. And he is slaughtered, but he is kept in the camp. They don't throw his body outside the camp. That, that particular goat represents people being saved by the blood of Christ. Those people have the blood of Christ atoned for them. He was the Lamb of God who died for us. Whereas the other goat is cast out from the camp, representing people who are cast out or cut off from God by the second death, the lake of fire. So the two goats represent two groups of people, the saved and the unsaved, on the final judgment day. These are also represented in Matthew 25, one group on the right, the other group on the left. And the wicked group, also represented by dogs, is cast away and not allowed entrance into the city of God in New Jerusalem, Revelation 22. Amen. So we see a separation of the two goats or the two groups. And we see that separation throughout life as the church, as we, as we disfellowship from the wicked, and as we lose family and friends, as we draw closer to God, become more obedient to God, we're going to lose more family and more friends. That's just what happens because light and darkness cannot be friends. Amen. As you become holier more, and you should become more holy, as you do become more holy, and there's more light inside you, and there's more darkness in your friends as they continue to fall for the brainwashing and the, the mind programming, all the brainwashing of Babylon. They become more dark, you become more light. There's going to be a contrast, you're going to bump heads. You're going to bump heads sooner or later, 
unless you are appeasing the enemy, unless you're pacifying your enemy, then you're going, they're going, they're, 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 they are not even going to be wanting to be around you. You won't even have to disfellowship from them sometimes because they will be like, hey, I ain't going to put up with you anymore. You think you are holier than thou. Well, guess what? We are holier than thou. We are holier than those dogs. Amen. You might as well just say it. Yes, I am. Amen. And you could say, Yes, I am holier than you, you dog, you swine, because we got to face the facts. That is the reality. But also, we also see separation coming even more so in the coming great tribulation. Amen. More separation coming in the great tribulation. When some of the true followers of Jesus will go into safety, in hiding, and also will be supernaturally protected and fed and nourished, as it says in Revelation 12:14. I'm not going to turn there right now, but Revelation 12:14 says that God will nourish us, that the, the church, the woman that flies into the wilderness for her place to be protected from the face of the serpent for a time and times and half a time, three and a half years, 42 months that we will be nourished, fed. Amen. We are not going to be starving. Now, there might be certain days that we'll have less to eat. Yes, as a test, as a trial. But we will survive. Amen. If we do our part by going where God wants us to go and continuing to repent, continuing to grow in his truth, not falling away, and not putting family first. Amen. Following his lead through his prophets and apostles, then he would nourish us. If we do our part of the bargain, if we do our part of the covenant, and walk in agreement with his will, then he would nourish us. But many of the wicked will be slaughtered in the great tribulation, even before the Day of Atonement, even before the wrath. Many of the wicked will be slaughtered through the invasions and through starvation and, and more, more viruses and more disease. So separation will continue all the way up to the Day of Atonement and even beyond that until the day of the Battle of Armageddon. And then even after that, in the hundred years, at the end of the hundred years, the final day of separation, at the end of the hundred years. You know, I don't know what day that the great white throne judgment will occur, but I would not be surprised if it's the day of atonement. I would not be surprised at all if it is the day of atonement. When the separation of the two groups occurs, amen, and one enters into the camp and the other is thrown out of the camp and does not enter the city, makes complete sense to me. Amen. amen. 
I would not be surprised. Some of the saints will be called up to heaven on the Day of Atonement. And on that same day, the wrath of God will begin. People will be separated on that day. These are all days of separating groups from one another, even if the two groups were separated in Leviticus 16. And therefore, that's a great reason to be solemn on this day. That means to not rejoice, to be almost sad, to be um, not celebrating. All of your other holy days are days of celebration. Uh, Passover being the exception also is like the Day of Atonement. We're not fasting that day, but we do begin a fast that day of leavening and examining ourselves. And so it's very similar to the Day of Atonement. And so Passover is not a day that we drink other than just one sip of wine on Passover. But then that next day after Passover, on the night to be much observed, we drink a lot. And on trumpets, we drink a lot. And on uh, maybe some people don't, but it's okay to do that. And the days are normally, most holy days are, Fiestas, fiestas, feast of tabernacles. It's a party. But this is not the fiesta of atonement. It's not the feast of atonement. We don't feast out, we don't feed ourselves, and we don't party and we don't drink. It is okay to drink water on the day of atonement, I believe. Some people say you can't even drink water on the day of atonement. That's fact. Back when I was uh, attending with the Worldwide Church of God back in the 80s and 90s, uh, they taught us you can't even drink water. That was really, really afflicting your soul. But the Bible never tells us exactly how to fast, right? It just says afflict your soul, afflict your appetite. It doesn't say exactly how. And... So, I do drink water on the Day of Atonement. I don't see anything saying I can't, but that's it. No coffee, no milk, no vitamins. You can, you can still take your medicine if it's a medicine that you need every day. I have to keep taking my medicine. That's not food. But we don't do your daily vitamin, because that would give you extra energy and extra help to get through your fast. And then you're not afflicting your soul as, as much as you need to be. So no vitamins. You don't need something like that to make the fasting easier. Um, but God is so wonderful to give us uh, this day of affliction, when it, it's going to be a party on that day when we're called up. You know, this day has both uh, a meaning of judgment 
and a meaning of reconciliation to God, being reconciled to him. It just depends who, who are we. Are we the people on the left, the Democrats, or are we people, are we people on the right? Which side are we on? And if we're on the right side, it's going to be a day of celebration and we'll be able to break our fast and even drink wine on that day in heaven. But to the wicked, they will be cast out from God and receive the judgment and be slaughtered on that same day. So this is why we afflict our soul and humble our soul now, is to examine ourselves, to ask ourselves, which side am I on? How far have I come? How far do I still need to go? And this is another reason why I say that I don't believe that children can enter the first resurrection because it takes a whole lifetime journey to reach full maturity, full understanding, comprehension, repentance. We have to reach perfection. We're not going to enter, enter into heaven or the first resurrection based only upon mercy and grace. It just ain't going to happen, regardless of what you've been brainwashed to believe. We have to reach a certain level of spiritual maturity and spiritual perfection because once we're turned to spirit, that's it. We're in the kingdom forever. There's no turning back. We'll never be kicked out. We'll never be cast out once we make it in by being turned to spirit. And that would be extremely dangerous for God and the kingdom for you, for me, for the whole church, for everybody, for all existence, it would be extremely dangerous for him to say, you know what? You're still dirty, but come on in. I love you. You're my child. I'm going to show you mercy. I'm going to show you grace. You're dirty as heck, but I'm going to lead you into heaven. I'm going to turn you to spirit so you can continue to sin all the way into paradise. That would be foolish, unwise, and dangerous. God ain't going to do that. He will only turn us to spirit only when we have reached a condition of holiness that is true and complete. That takes a life time journey. It takes making many mistakes. You have to make many mistakes in order to reach that level of holiness. Because I can preach to you till I'm blue in the face. But you have to learn your own lessons. Amen. And so if a person doesn't make it in the first resurrection, thank God there is the second resurrection of the flesh to where people will rise from the dead. It is not reincarnation. That's completely different. 
but rather a resurrection from the dead. To live in the flesh and blood for another entire 100 years and not, and not one day less for every person. That doesn't make it in to perfection, into the resurrection. At the first resurrection, we have a whole hundred years. In God's kingdom, it's going to be easier, but there will still be temptation. In that hundred years, the devil will be out of prison during that hundred years, deceiving people again. People will fall for the temptations again, the lies again. It will be easier because angels will be here, the saints will be here, the apostles and the prophets will be here, Jesus will be here, God's government will be upon the entire planet, so there will be more justice, no murder, no suicide, because it will be impossible for anyone to die during that hundred years, no matter what. Because it is promised in Scripture in Isaiah 65, verse 20, that the baby and the old man, even the sinner, not one of them would die until they reached 100 years of that time frame. Not one would die. Because there would be no excuse. At the end of that 100 years, once we stand at the white throne judgment, the great white throne judgment, there will be no excuses. Oh, I died early. Well, I was too young because you're going to live a whole lifetime journey to make it right, to learn all your lessons. There'll be no excuses, no excuses anymore. Amen. The, the people that are cast out did not assimilate. The people that are cast out, those people that burn and are destroyed and are annihilated at the lake of fire, they did not assimilate. Amen. And the same with the people that receive the wrath. They did not assimilate. Amen. God is good. I believe I've said everything in all of these notes here and there. I believe I've said everything. And I believe that pretty much does it. I believe you understand. Now, I do need to summarize what people need to do for the fiesta of tabernacles very quickly and briefly. We should arrive at the hotels and the campsites wherever we're going. On Thursday, uh, October 1st, arrive that day so that you don't have to pay money on that day. I mean, on the next day, which is a, a Sabbath, a rest day. Let me turn the calendar here. I can see this better. So we arrive on October 1st. October 2nd, Friday, will be the first day of the fiesta. So we're going to have special services on that Friday. We'll have services Friday and Saturday, two weeks in a row, Friday and Saturday, two weeks in a row. Um, 
Now, what's going to be different is we're not going to have special services at 7 o'clock in the morning for those high holy days, okay? But one thing, at 7 o'clock in the morning here is still dark and cold. <laughs> Whoa, it's going to turn cold for me, what I think is cold. It's going to be like in the 40s at night. I think the low one night might even be 40. I have to double check. 40 degrees. And the high of only 60 one day or two days. And it's going to turn. Usually it don't turn cold until after the feast. And this year it's turning cold before the feast. Yuck. But I'm hoping and praying that the forecast will be wrong and that it will be warmer than what they are predicting. The forecast at least looks mostly dry, at least. But we're not going to have special services at 7 in the morning. We're going to have services at 2 o'clock in the afternoon, Eastern Time, both Friday and Saturday, both weeks. And if you're not able to tune in live at that time, then I understand. If you're not able to, it's too late at night or something, and you can listen to it later. If you need to, you can uh, take an MP3 player, listen to last year's feast sermons, and then catch up by listening to this year's feast sermon the next day or whatever you need to do. But however you do it, you do need you do need to worship on the high holy days. Even if you're not listening to a live sermon because of the time zone difference or whatever, you still need to worship on the high holy days regardless. And that's why I'm saying you could listen to a previous sermon from last year or something. And not only a sermon, but worship music. Put on some worship music. Raise your hands to God and worship on Friday and Saturday of uh, these next two weeks. During the feast, I encourage people to go for hikes, walking through the woods, go fishing. Uh, if possible, in your situation, because everybody's in a different situation. But if possible, uh, cook over the campfire some, uh, perfect your skills for the great tribulation for survival, for wilderness living. I would encourage people, if the temperature is reasonable, uh, if you're having to stay home for whatever reason, then Turn off all the electric for the whole week, if you could. Or if you don't turn it completely off, just don't turn on the lights for a whole week. Live in the dark for a week. Use your flashlights. Use your candles. Um, try to make it primitive. And like I said, take four chairs two, three, four chairs or more, throw a blanket or tarp over that, make you a tent inside your house or in your backyard or on your back porch, 
or whatever, or in your garage, or in your basement, or in your attic. Do something different to make the holy days feel different where you're not in your normal habitat. Don't sleep in your normal bed unless you take that mattress and pour it down on the floor uh, under a self-made tent or something like that. But do not sleep in your normal location no matter what. No excuses. I have a bad back. My wife, Brittany, has a bad back. We both have bad backs. We know what it's like. So there's no excuses. If we can do it, you can do it. My wife had major back surgery when she was 12 years old, and they put a, a metal rod in her back. And she st still suffers a lot of pain from that to this day, a lot of inflammation and pain, and uh, even problems with even the, the wound, the scar of where they put it in, even to this very day, decades left decades and decades and decades later. <laughs> I want to try to make her feel old. She's so beautiful this morning that white looks like she's about ready to get married again. So, yeah, you can use solar lights, Sister Kiki. Uh, you don't have to be in the complete dark. You can use candles, solar lights, uh, flashlights, stuff like that. Try to make it look different from your normal habitat. Um, pray more throughout the week than what you would do in a normal week, especially on the high holy days. Uh, for you men, have a beer or two or six or 12. And for you women, have you a nice cup of wine to relax and enjoy yourself. Maybe put some balloons up if you're staying home. Put some balloons up if you could. Uh, have a special meal on the high holy days. Me and Robert, we're going to go fishing. We hope to catch a bass. I heard that bluegill are pretty delicious. And... Um, it's going to be a unique experience. I never camped at this particular spot before. It's a new campsite for me. Uh, but I've been wanting to go to this particular campsite for years. And I finally am able to go to that particular campsite. So I look forward to it next to a river. And I look forward to spending more time outside you know, outdoors. Um, and listening to the birds and getting some fresh air as much as possible in that cool air without catching a cold where I have to be careful. Anybody got any questions? Anybody want to type in any questions? I give moment for give a minute or two in case anybody want to type in any questions into the chat room here on the radio station or Robert or 
Brittany has any questions, feel free to speak up. <clears throat> People can also email me. Just do what you can do and just do the best you can do. That's the only thing we can ask. Whatever your situation may be, do the best, the best that you can do, whatever it may be. And then after the Feast of Tabernacles, what we've got in December is Hanukkah in December, and then Purim in March. I think it's March 28th, 29th, 30th, sometime in that time zone. Purim, end of March. So we've got uh, October, November, December, January, February, March, six months left to get ready for the possible strong delusion. And I really do believe it's going to be this year. I really, 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 really believe it. And it would be foolish not to be ready just in case. Six months to get ready. And I believe you've got to get your stuff ready before November 3rd. Because November 3rd, the American election, I guarantee you, watch the slaughter. It's going to be bad from that day on. November 3rd and after that, I think it's going to be intense chaos all across the world. I think we'll see war break out after that. Sometime within those six months, I believe that we will see war increase in the Mediterranean Sea with Libya, Egypt, those nations, perhaps Ethiopia, Syria, so forth. Kiki said, is it okay if I just listen to a pre-sermon recording as be the wee hours in the morning? Yes, of course. So that way you don't have to be up at 4 o'clock in the morning listening to the live sermon, and you can catch up the next day, listen to the live sermon the next day. So like I said, if it's your time zone where it's too difficult, you know, the holy days are not meant to be a burden. They're really not. The holy days are not meant to be a burden to us. And we're supposed to get more rest on the high holy days. So I can understand people in those time zones in Australia and Korea where it's 3, 4, 5 o'clock in the morning. I can understand those people not listening live, even on weekly seventh day, as long as you listen to a previous sermon or do some form of worship and then catch up on that sermon the next day or maybe the next seventh day, catch up on that sermon, on the most recent sermon. God is understanding. Amen. So we come back on October the 11th to unpack and um, get back to our normal routine from there. My spiritual birthday, the day I was baptized 14 years ago, will be October the 16th. 
October 16th, 14 years ago, I was baptized. So that's my spiritual birthday. Amen. Although I was uh, had a special initial salvation in November of 2004, uh, about a year and a half before my baptism, there are different times that different people receive the Holy Ghost. You know, when I got saved in November of 2004, a year and a half before my baptism, there was no Pastor Tim. There was no I Saw the Light Ministries. There was no one I could go to. And so God did accept my salvation at my moment of repentance, true repentance. And a, a prayer, yes, a prayer of salvation. You find scriptures in the Bible where people receive the Holy Ghost at baptism, which is what happens most of the time. But you also find scriptures in the Bible people receiving the Holy Ghost sometime after or sometime before baptism. So there are exceptions. There are exceptions to almost everything. We can't put God inside a box. We cannot command God to do it exactly the same way with every person, every time. But regardless of whether you receive the Holy Ghost before, during, or after baptism, you must be baptized in order to make it into being turned, turned to spirit, reach perfection, have full spirit's maturity, be considered fully saved. To be considered as fully saved in order to enter heaven and fully saved in order to have eternal life forever and not die the second death. You have to be baptized and you have to do communion, Passover communion. We've got both Fiona, Fiona and Kareem have been baptized uh, this year after Passover. So this next Passover, coming up in April, will be their first Passover. They've both been baptized, so I do consider them as both being saved right here, right now, that they are saved even before Passover. But we know that Jesus ain't coming back this year. Jesus is not coming back next year because the Bible says we're promised 1,335 days for the time period between the abomination and desolation and the time Jesus comes. But I'm just saying an example to get you to understand something. They're baptized. They're saved. But if Jesus were to come before they take communion in April on Passover, can we really truly say that they reached a level of salvation and a measure of the Holy Ghost to be turned to spirit and be 
in the first resurrection without having done Passover, without having drank the blood of Jesus symbolically and ate in the, ate in the flesh of Christ symbolically. You see, so there's a lot to this. It's more than just prayer, more than just baptism. You have to keep the holy days, and the holy days are a branding in our forehead that tags us with God's name. So we have to continue in the faith, continue in the faith, the Bible says, continue in the faith, and dwell and abide in Christ Jesus all the way into the end, all the way. Amen. And if we backslide, and most people do, and I did backslide away from God for many years before I came back to God in 2004, if we backslide, we repent. And the scripture says that he is faithful to forgive us and to cleanse us and purify us from all wrong, from all sin, all, all. It doesn't make an exception. All sin, if we confess, if we repent, if we be baptized, if we obey him and stay in him this next time. Amen. He's faithful. He's not willing for anyone to perish, but for all to come to everlasting life. That is his will. Amen. We just have to embrace him back, seek him, seize it, seize the kingdom, wrestle with him, and don't let him go. Amen. Praise the Lord. All right. If anybody thinks of any other questions, email me. I'll let you go. Don't eat if you're over here in America. Amen. Or if you're in Jamaica, don't eat until sunset, okay? And at 721 Eastern Time for my time zone. And you can look up the time set, sunset time on the Internet for your time zone. I'll let you go. I love you very much. God bless you all. Have a wonderful fiesta. And I'll see you Friday and Saturday for services. And if you're not tuning in live, if you're in, if it's too difficult at that particular time, I understand. But if you're in my time zone uh, at 2 o'clock in the afternoon or 1 in the afternoon, 3 in the afternoon or noon, then there's no excuses unless you just don't have the Internet where you're going to be at, no Internet connection, then that would be. A reasonable excuse, of course. Amen. So uh, I'll definitely see Kareem and Fiona Friday and Saturday since they're only an hour difference from me. And I hope to see some new faces and some new brothers and sisters. And I hope to get to know more of you. Amen. We're supposed to be a family, not just a church, not just an organization. We're supposed to be family. Amen. I'd like to get to know more of you. Okay. You might not want to get to know more of me, <laughs> but I would really like to get to know more of you. All right. Love you very much. Have a good day. Get some rest. I'm going back to bed. Good night. Good night. And forever peace in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you.
Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.